Cheers, y'all. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine little radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally as the world-famous Smokin' and Toasting. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, nice to have I'm you on board for show number 211. Now, 211, I was trying to figure out, okay, what does that mean? So it's like, That's halfway to 300. Well, it is halfway to 300, but like in, in, you know, in slang, in verbiage uses, 411 or the 411, that's the lowdown, the information. Three eleven. Oh, the two one one is what you call when you uh, uh, have to dig. Oh, is it? No. Yeah, is that that's, right? That's two one one when you got to dig and they you need to tell them to come. Uh, well, check I, where the lines are and stuff. I know three eleven. In addition to being a rock band out of Omaha, uh, three eleven is in some states the police code for indecent exposure. <laughs> so there's that. But two eleven. See, I was thinking. Back to the days when I was a kid, my dad used to watch that cop show, Adam 12. You remember Adam 12? Vaguely, yeah. One Adam 12, yeah, one yeah. Adam 12. Well, whenever there was like a robbery that they were being dispatched to, they always said it was a 211 in progress. So I don't know if that's used by police departments everywhere. If we have any like police officers who are uh, watching the show live and, and are on the show notes, please chime in. If, Is 211 a robbery in progress? If I, so, I, If only there was a device. <laughs> if so, that would be perfect for today's show. Uh, or a Wiki Brian. Yeah. Or a Wiki Brian, yeah. If only we had a guy like that with access to Bruce the is pretty good like that. I haven't yeah. seen Bruce on here yet, though. So 211's in progress here. It's Smoking and Toast in show number 211. Today we will talk about the most underrated whiskeys. We have a list uh, from whiskey experts. I don't know if they consulted Chris so Hart or not. So this is a list from Chris? Uh, well, it's a list from some whiskey experts. I don't know if he was consulted on this or not. We'll ah. have to ask him. Maybe he's watching the show today. Um, anyway, uh, whiskey experts have put together a list of the most underrated whiskeys, which I thought would be interesting to share because, after all, you know, you always hear about the big ones. Yes. But, wh but what are the ones that are, like, kind of floating under the radar? And then I will also let you know that I've taken a peek at that list already, and I think I have one of those whiskeys for uh, us to taste See, today. one of the problems, though, is when you come across a good underrated whiskey that no one knows about, <laughs> you want to keep it secret and keep it safe. Well, yeah, so we're going to violate that today. We're going to let everybody know if these are indeed underrated, and then they'll become impossible to find. And then the good news, though, is that once they're completely impossible to find— they then will be perfect for Chris Hart to sample on his show. That's right, because that's what he does. Is he he he, <laughs> the, he should call the show instead of whiskey need. He should call it Chris Hart's impossible to find whiskeys. <laughs> uh, oh, Bruce says he is here after all. Hey, <laughs> hey what's Bruce? up, Bruce? Nice to have you watching and listening. We appreciate it. Uh, on the show today, in addition to uh, the whiskey I mentioned, and I'll just tell you what it is now. It's Great King Street blended Scotch whiskey. And uh, one of the things that I was reading some stuff about this week was saying, so, uh, the, the author of the article I was reading was saying, do not be afraid of blended scotch. Don't. He says, you know, we always get this, you know, single barrel, uh, you know, I mean, vibe in our mind. Actually, be afraid of Johnny Walker Red. Okay. That's, that's not that's, good. I agree. Be, be very afraid. That is But, a, but, but the black is drinkable. And, yeah, the black's not bad. And I have then, a bottle know, of black at home. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of blended whiskeys that are great. You know what? Uh, Monkey Shoulder is a blended whiskey. And boy, is that good. It's a Monkey blended scotch, and it's amazing. Yes, yes. And so it's we'll be, not even very expensive. We'll be trying to blend it scotch today. It's the Great King Street blended scotch whiskey, which does occupy a slot on this list of most underrated whiskeys that we'll be talking about. From Beer Territory, it's November. Uh, we promised you back before uh, Halloween that we would be 
tasting at least one pumpkin beer every week all the way through uh, Thanksgiving. And so today we'll be tasting Wasatch Brewery's Pumpkin Seasonal Ale. Nice. Uh, it doesn't have a fancy name. It's just Pumpkin Seasonal Ale. Wasatch but is quality, it, though. If you remember, though. They're the guys. That's nicely great. Done. Wow, very nice. Uh, if you remember Wasatch, aren't they the guys that did that that black pumpkin yes. lager that was one of the first things that we tasted? Oh, that was so mm-hmm. good. Oh, that was so good. Uh, Black-a-ween, was that what it was called? Well, I, can't, I can't remember the name of it now. We'll, uh, we'll go back and look. Um, it was good, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, something like it that. It was really, really. Black-a-lantern? Black-a-lantern. Black-a-lantern. That's great. So, yes. so this is a different pumpkin from them. It's a pumpkin seasonal ale. So we'll be trying that today. Awesome. Also, from Parish Brewing Company, one of my all-time favorite breweries. Awesome. Breweries, uh, they have something new, or at least new to me. I saw it for the first time and grabbed a four pack. Uh, it's the Atticus Atlas Triple IPA. So we'll be trying that out. Those guys make great IPAs. Yeah, well, so, um, they, everything they've had, I'm everything they made, I've been yeah. pretty happy with. Yeah, pretty psyched. And then finally, from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and Westbrook Brewing Company, we'll be trying their Mexican Coffee Cake Imperial Stout. So that's that sounds that's, awesome. Yeah, that's, from who? Uh, from Westbrook uh, Brewing Westbrook. Company okay. in awesome. uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. So a lot to look forward to on the program today. Cigars <laughs> for Warriors are uh, launching a whole new fundraiser. They launched this week. We'll tell Bruce, you about that. Uh, Bruce put in here, by the way, uh, from Google, 211 means police code for robbery. Robbery. Okay, so that makes sense. But if you dial Brothers. it, I think that's where they look for that's your underground. That's where the oh, I, I underground. Need, I need, I'm about to dig. I need to know that's if I'm going to electrocute myself. Right, I think that's yeah. 211. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, brewers uh, across the country have picked five of their favorite beers for 2020, so we'll share that with you today. And, of course, we talked about the uh, list of the most underrated whiskeys. Uh, that's coming up. A homemade humidor caused a major scare at an airport. I'll tell you how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and we have drinking news on the program today. Our drinking news uh, headline today, Stop Me If You've Heard This One Before. So... Cheers, y'all. Uh, that's just the that's the musical tease. For, uh, <laughs> that's right uh, for uh, drinking news. So anyway, a lot of lot of great things coming up. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of lot of lists coming out for the end of the year. So we won't have time to get to them all, but I'll, I can guarantee you that from now until probably the end of January, we'll have more lists than we can lists handle. Lists and lists. I, and I lists. guess there must be a thing that like if you post a list on the internet, it must get lots of. Clicks. We'll have to have a top five lists of the lists. Yeah. Oh, our top five lists that we've done this year. I think that's, that's right. A, top I, five I lists of our lists. That reminds me of when uh, back in my radio days, uh, I was working for a radio station that got bought by a company. That the company still exists. They don't do radio anymore. But the parent company was an insurance company. They advertise all the time on television. And I don't know if you know know this, but insurance companies are about the most sort of corporate, conservative, business-type oh, yeah. companies that are out there, right? And uh, they, uh, they didn't quite know what to do with this little alternative rock station they bought because it was way out of their wheelhouse. But I do remember when they came in and took over, they had... They had forms for everything. If you wanted to go down the hall to the men's room, there was a form you could fill out to go to the <laughs> men's room. I'm exaggerating about that, but I'm not exaggerating about this. They got us all together and tried to explain in a big meeting all of the forms that were available. And then they said, and I'm not making this up, that if we needed a form for something and that form didn't exist, that we could fill out, and they held up a piece of paper, the form request form. That is, yeah. 
Yeah, that's how. I, that's how what do you even did, say so. about that? I, I, there's like, just, can, like I'm not making that up. The guy that, was a form request. Did the form. guy that told you that, the person that told you that, did they realize the ridiculous? No, and that's that's I guess either the beauty or the horror of it is that most people in those situations have no idea how ridiculous they are. Now, let me talk about how ridiculous insurance companies are in the first place. How mm -hmm. much money? Do you pay an insurance in a year? Oh, like, you don't have to give me. Yeah, you gazillions. pay a lot of money. Yeah, like, thousands of dollars. Okay, yeah. right. And then you file one claim. Dropped. And they get so like, well, mm -hmm. you have to justify it and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Oh, yeah. And, and well, then they can drop you or they penalize remember. you for it. And they charge you more money for taking back a tiny amount of money oh, yeah. that of you course. spent. Of course. Well, listen, it's a for-profit business. And not that I have any problem with for-profit businesses. But I think we got to reevaluate the way we look at some of these things. I mean, these guys are out there trying to make money just like the guy that owns the hardware store is trying to make right. money. So they're going to do whatever they need to do. That's why after you pay them all this money, they have people they hire whose job it is to make you really make it really really hard for you to take any money back. Yes. And and it's it's really it's really a difficult thing. That's why they hire Flo like, and Talking Lizards and people like that to to like promote this all seem to you. Friendly. To make them seem friendly. They're not. The, I will tell you this. I've often said that people are, you know, people can be very critical of lawyers. There's plenty of lawyer jokes, and you know, lawyers are not necessarily it's not necessarily considered by a lot of people to be an honorable profession, right? I don't have a problem with it, but a lot of people do. Well, this here's my thing: if I hire a lawyer and I pay him or her money, they are totally and 100 percent on my side. They're fighting for me, for my yes. case, for my situation, for my defense, whatever it might be. I may be paying them, but they're on my side. You pay insurance companies for most of your life, and yes. they're never on your side. You are legally I don't care required if that's their to slogan. pay them. Yeah, I don't that's care if why. that's your slogan. That's It's not true. That's why you are not legally required to pay a lawyer. You're not legally right. required to have a lawyer that right. you pay. But if you want to drive a car. But if you want to drive a car, you are legally required to pay insurance, and then insurance gets mad. Yeah, if they have to come back and and, and recompense you at some point. I, here's a conversation I had years ago with a insurance company. Well, the insurance company, Mister Barry, is designed to put you back to where you were before the accident. Well, before the accident, I had a car. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's exactly. I had right. a vehicle. Well, we're going to compensate you for that. I didn't have a check before the accident. I had a car. Right. That's the way it works. Exactly. One of my favorites, too, is I had a vehicle. It had, and I'm not exaggerating this even remotely, I bought a brand new truck. This was like in 2000. I got rear-ended. It had 517 miles on it. Wow. Like, that's how new it was. Mm -hmm. Got rear-ended. The insurance company, I had to reject it twice, okay? Mm -hmm. The insurance company put a refurbished bumper on it. Yeah. And then tried to tell me, well, it's a used truck. Because <laughs> it's got 517 miles on it. I said, I'm not accepting that. You will put a new bumper on this. There's and you, no and way. you won this. They did this. Wow. Reluctantly. The other thing I had to reject it from is uh, if you get hit from the back and mm -hmm. on, a, on a truck, sometimes the bed moves slightly. Right. And the bed was all crooked on it when they tried oh, to give see? it back to me the first time. I was like, no. And then the insurance tried to say, well, you can't reject this because you have to give back your, uh, your uh, uh, rental car. I'm like, well, you get your rental car back, 
when I get my truck back, right? right. That's the whole <laughs> That's the purpose of the rental car, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, but they tried to make it as difficult as possible oh, man. for them to have like, to pay anything. Why do I even have to have that conversation? I, I, I don't know. But if just talking about this, I need some beer or a whiskey or something. I mean, this is this is this this will get me all worked up. Let me ask you about something much more uh positive, or at least I hope it's positive. Did you smoke anything interesting this week? Oh yes I did. Yes. Why yes I did. As a matter of fact, I went and had a nice time this morning. Mm. I went by uh, the casa and um, and uh, said hi to Steve. He was there, and uh, and I picked out uh, Ramon Ramon Alones. (laughs) It autocorrected to Ramon Allowed. Well, but we we all know this is the Ramon Alones AJ Fernandez. Oh, nice. So I hadn't seen this before, and I was just looking for something I hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. I was feeling. You know, saucy wanted to do something different, and so I picked up a Toro. Um, this is the six by fifty-two Toro. Uh, the wrapper's a Medio Tiempo Nicaragua wrapper, uh, Nicaragua binder, Nicaragua filler. The appearance on this—they uh, had three labels on this. They had the Ramon uh, Alones label that says AJ Fernando is uh, very small. I think AJ mm-hmm. Fernandez is making the Ramon Alones cigars now. Oh, okay. I think that's the deal now. Uh, like that's his company <coughs> just makes them now. And then it has a secondary wrapper that all the blends from AJ Banana, uh, Fernandez always had that says mm-hmm. AJ Fernandez it says on AJF, it. AJF, yeah. Right. And then uh and then it had the uh cedar wrap that went down the uh last okay. half of the cigar. So you couldn't see much of the cigar when when you it's pick it up. It's pretty covered with the bands and it's the It's covered wrap. with yeah. bands and a cedar wrap, but it looks really nice. Um when you pull the uh cedar wrap off, you get this beautiful beautiful dark brown uh Dark brown uh, uh, wrapper that's smooth, a little oily, firm, solid feel overall with the cigar, and an oddly heavy little cigar. Like, have you ever picked up a cigar? You go, this is yeah, oddly it, heavy. It feels like a little heftier. Yeah, <laughs> right. I know what you're talking about. Some yeah. of them feel really light, then there's yeah. kind of a medium, and then, yeah. Yeah, and some of them you don't think about, but this one was oddly heavy. Uh, the pre-light sniff on this, there was not a real super heavy um, aroma coming from this cigar, but when I put my nose up to it, uh, pleasant uh, tobacco, cedar, sweet cappuccino, a little creamy kind of smell coming on, vanilla going nice. on in there, and some fermented hay in the background Sweet. on that. Yeah, it was really a uh, really nice uh, fragrant, as light as it was. Uh, pre-light draw. I used a clip. Uh, it had a light draw to it. Um, not effortless, but pretty close. Tangy hay uh, is what I got, like, right at the lips and uh, initially... Um, Oh, uh, lost my place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Touch of coffee, chocolate, cedar, spicy pepper. Those are all things that I kind of got right off the pre-light uh, draw on that. The initial light had kind of a sneaky pepper blast. Mm-hmm. Like you lit it, and at very first it was like cedar, and then pepper. <laughs> very the, Nicaraguan the AJ trademark. Yeah. yeah. Very Nicaraguan cigar. Uh, yeah, but not a not a harsh pepper. A very nice big spicy pepper, but not harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, Big cedar woody notes tangy on the lips. The first third of the cigar, pepper, cedar, earth, big full flavor. Hay and a dark raisin note kind of in the background. Bitter sweetness going on the whole time. Hints of baking chocolate and creamy cappuccino kind of threading through there. Solid ash, perfect burn. I forgot my lighter, by the way. Lit it with a uh, match. It was really nice. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, I don't do that very often. Yeah, it's cool to do that. <laughs> I'm usually outside, you know, yeah, so lighting it with a match sometimes. Tougher, yeah. Um, the second third of this wood and sweet cappuccino interplay with uh, earth and hay. Pepper remains a constant spicy background. Tangy wood and vanilla on the lips. Solid ash, perfect burn. 
Nice. This was a this was a pretty good cigar up to this point so far. Number uh, the last third of this cedar and sweet cappuccino takeover. Underlying pepper and spices remain. Retro hail is cedar and baking chocolate. Um, solid ash, perfect burn. This is definitely a full flavored cigar. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's the fullest of full flavored cigar, but it's pretty full. It's pretty full. Um, and uh, and 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 quite good, quite, uh, smoother than you'd think. No no harshness throughout. It is, however, pricey. It's twelve dollars. Mm, okay. For this, mm-hmm. I did go for. They had a smaller size, and I went for the uh, Toro instead of the uh, Corona. Um, but because uh, it just felt like you know I had a little extra time, I smoked a bigger yeah. cigar. Sure. Uh, it was a long smoking cigar. It took me an hour and uh, twenty minutes almost mm-hmm. to smoke the cigar, um, and I wasn't you know I wasn't uh, neglecting it. I give it a solid five. Okay. Solid five. It's worth everything you at pay that price, for. That's a, that's yeah, a good at that thing. price, yeah. that's a good thing. It is a twelve dollars cigar, uh, but but worth picking up and saying, you know what? I'm smoking a twelve dollars cigar today. This is the one, oh, and uh, and so uh, worth every penny. I excellent, excellent. Well, uh, I did something. I, I may have mentioned this on the show last week, but I had ordered online a bundle of uh, Rocky Patel cigars that I seem to be getting a really, really good uh, deal on. So today I'm going to tell you about my uh, tasting experience with the Rocky Patel Short Run Toro. Uh, and there it is right there. Yeah, we'll have the, the pictures up, but there I, I brought you one. So I brought thank one you. for you, one for Adam. Uh, well, I'll, I'll got, wait to say thank you until after the review. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might want to wait. So this Rocky Patel blend is only available from Holtz Tobacco in Philadelphia mm-hmm. or from their online website. You can buy it online, which is what I did. Um, the the story behind this cigar is, or I am told is, that Rocky wanted a cigar for his line that would have the same kind of clout and image as like a Fuente Fuente Opus mm-hmm. X or uh, the Padron Family Reserve or the Ashton VSG. He would go to these very sort of like high-end cigar events and see people, you know, kind of like showing off, smoking those. And he's like, I need, I need something like that for my line. So he went to his blenders. And he had them use the oldest and most rare tobacco he could get his hands on, or at least that's how the story goes. Um, somewhere along the way, after these cigars were rolled, the first you know sort of small batch of them, uh, he kind of lost interest in the project and uh, wound up selling the whole batch to Holtz. He probably was, you know, busy with one of his other blends and other things took over more importance, or maybe he just wasn't getting what he was envisioning yeah, been. out of this cigar. So. He sells a whole batch to Holtz, and they own all of them, and they're pretty reasonably priced. They've got the whole inventory, uh, and they sell them by the bundle. About the only thing we know about the tobacco in this, it was obviously made in Honduras at Rocky's Mm -hmm. factory, but about the only thing we know about the tobacco in this is that the wrapper is a San Andres Oscuro wrapper, so it's nice and dark. So... I tried it. The pre-light on this cigar was extremely earthy uh, with notes of cocoa powder as well. I used a punch. I lit it up with no problem. Some nice pepper in the first puffs. Not Mm -hmm. like that Nicaraguan blast, but there was some there. Uh, And the early flavor was, you know, um, the pepper was a little mellower than what I thought. uh, I mean, not the pepper, but the earthiness was a little mellower than what I thought based on what I'd sniffed on the Mm -hmm. pre-light. I thought this was going to be one of those really deeply earthy cigars. It was definitely there, 
but not not quite as overpowering as I thought it might be. About a third of the way in, the cocoa flavors became more prominent and um, it really mor- morphed into more of a almost dark chocolate kind mm-hmm. of flavor, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got leather and baking spice as well. Not the most unusual aromas for a cigar, but uh, they worked well together. I picked up espresso notes as it smoked, uh, a little bit of a nuttiness that I'm going to say was most similar to almonds. I'm still kind of learning to identify specific nuttiness in a cigar. Um, There were notes of dark leather uh, that kind of worked their way in and out, as well as oak, and uh, it had a nice tingle on the tongue. It was medium-bodied, great construction, nice even burn all the way through. So, is this cigar on the level of the Opus X or the Padron Anniversario? So, short answer for the short run, no, it's not. Now, I can Fair see enough. why Rocky may have abandoned his original ideas for these, because there's no way you're going to smoke one of these and then smoke a Padrona Anniversario and say, okay, these were in the same league. Right. But here's the thing. The regular price at Holtz for this cigar, if you buy it in the bundle, regular price, $2.70 a stick. Uh, if you... Uh, if you get it on special, which I did, uh, it's closer to $2.30 a stick. Wow. That was why I bought them. I was like, if I, unless they're just absolutely terrible, they should be worth this this price. So, for a couple of dollars more than the price of a box of 10 Padron Family Reserves of the same size, I can buy 80 of these. Wow. Yeah, I can buy four bundles of 20 cigars. I can buy 80 of these Rockies for the same price, give or take a buck or two, of one box of 10 of the Family Reserve. Uh, 80 and I cigars didn't, I didn't will keep even, you going for almost a month. I didn't even price yeah, or in my case, about a week. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't even price it uh, compared to uh, the Opus X, but the Opus X may be even more expensive than the Padron Family Reserve. So... Is this in the same category as those super ultra premiums? No. But is it an awesome humidor filler? Damn right it is. Nice. And price to quality, a seven for this cigar. Because it was really good. Now, I didn't enjoy it as much as my normal, you know, eight to nine dollar AJs that I smoke, or even some of Rocky's other cigars that I've had that I've really, really liked. But there wasn't anything about it I didn't like. It just didn't have quite as much complexity, you know, quite as much of the flavors that I crave, but is it worth every penny of $2.70? You better believe it. So, there you go. Rocky well, that's You know, I Short love run. finding yeah. an inexpensive cigar that's awesome. So, I'm going to tell you, I don't think I can think of another cigar I've had at under $3 that comes close. Wow. So, there you go. I mean, so I've had a few of the uh, uh, Drew Estate factory smokes recently. Yeah, those are great. I and love they're those. fine. They're and very single dimensional. Are they around three bucks a piece? They're $2. They're $2. Okay. Yeah. They're but $2. you're right. They're single dimensional. One of they're the things about this cigar, even though, again, it didn't give me what you're going to get from, a, uh, from an Ashton VSG in terms of complexity, but it wasn't one dimensional. This is a great looking cigar. Let me ask you this What if this was a $7 cigar? You know, I probably would say I don't feel like I got ripped off, but I don't know if I'd go back to it all the time. Right. At seven dollars, because for seven, for seven or eight, I there's can a get, lot in you know, that price. I, I can start creeping range, into right. like a, a San Latano by uh, by AJ or something. Right. So, right. Uh, so it, it it 
it wouldn't hold up quite as well against other cigars in the price range, but I wouldn't go, oh, man, I got totally but ripped sub off. sub $3 yeah. Right, right. Amazing. Sub $3. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, again, you want 10 of the <laughs> of the Padrones, or do you want 80 <laughs> of those? Eight zero. That's uh, That will remain the question. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, I got After all that insurance talk, I, I need to drink something. So uh, let's jump into some uh, beer tasting in our next segment. We're going to go right into the pumpkin ale, the Wasatch Brewery uh, pumpkin seasonal ale. So we'll be back with that. Plus, i got to tell you about Cigars for Warriors launching their new fundraiser, and Hurricane Etta uh, has not wiped out the cigar plantations. So we'll give you a little bit of an update on that. It's good news for cigar growers in Central America uh, after the storm has passed over. So all of that updated next. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 211. A 211 in progress. That's a robbery. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toastin'. This is the program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Forgot to mention this at the top of the show. We're brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Why? Because cigars. Because cigars. Uh, they got great right. new designs, great uh, ideas, gift ideas for the holidays. If you're a cigar lover, uh, go out and support them. Buy a shirt. They start under 20 bucks, and they, uh, uh, they're a sponsor of the show. So you supporting them is a good sort of roundabout way of... Supporting smoking and Support toasting, and we thank you uh, for doing that. Uh, I tell you what, New Yorkers just can't get a break when it comes to uh, cigars. It's already one of the most expensive states in the U.S. to buy cigars. They lost the big Nat Sherman store. They lost. I mean, it's just it's just been almost no good news for cigar smokers. Now, uh, the Empire State cigar tax has nearly doubled to seven. Check this out. The tax on a cigar in New York is now 75% of the cigar's wholesale price. That's 75%. Unbelievable. Right. And you know why this happens? Because no politician can go, can get into office saying, I'm going to raise your taxes. So they have to get their money from somewhere. So where, where are they going to get it from? Well, they, they'll they raise, you know, it, it, it's considered a sin tax because it's, you know, it's cigars. So it's easy for you them know, to do this. Doesn't there, and it doesn't make any sense to doesn't me. There, isn't there some kind of thing like there? There's got to be a discrimination against cigar smokers. Mm-hmm. Uh, act or something like that that we have to be able to like like that's absolutely ridiculous so here's what i can't that tell is you. government yeah. price gouging it, here's what i can tell you it's killing the cigar retail business in new york state it's killing it because think about this if you live in new york and you're a cigar smoker and let's say you smoke i don't know box of cigars every two or three months right so you're going to turn around and drop some money on a box of cigars, are you going to buy it locally and pay a price, a tax price on it that's 75% of the wholesale cost of the cigar? Or are you just going to go on the internet and, you know, buy it from Cigars International or Holtz or, or someplace? You oh, and it's only it going to be a minute before New York figures out, oh, when you ship it in New York, we oh, have to yeah, nab well, money, too. Yeah, you know, there, there is that. But the, the, the point of the whole thing is it's killing local business, which... That is probably the only thing that will save it is the fact that that will get them in trouble with voters if they're if they're killing local businesses. So, 
Um, it's, we'll it, it's such blatant. Like that, they call it a sin tax, mm-hmm. but I mean that's absolutely ridiculous. It's, Do they tax alcohol that it, way? It's like we're the last group that it's okay to discriminate against. You know what I mean? Yeah, like well, it's every, just fine. Yeah, yeah, everybody else has rights. Oh, you can't do that. Smoker. You can't discriminate. And then they just lump. Smoking, yeah. They just lump smoking in. Oh yeah, they lump us cigars, in with cigarettes, pipe smokers, tobaccos, yeah. and everything is just exactly like cigarettes to them. Which it's not. Uh, on paper, that's what yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. And they absolutely. just lump it all in there, and it's complete bull. Like yeah, that is, it is so so bad. Well, uh, so our hearts go out to our friends in New York, and if you are, uh, if you live somewhere besides New York, and you're going to visit a friend in New York, take them some cigars. It's one of the coolest things you can do. You know? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. even if, even if they, uh, even if they don't smoke cigars, take them cigars, and they can make money selling for half price. I remember a couple of years ago, I I'm starting a black market here. Sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I remember I went to uh, California to work out there for about a yeah. month. I rented a place out there and was working out there for about a month. And Ian came out. We did a show out there while I was there uh, at the Beverly Hills uh, Cigar. Yeah, Club. that was fun. Uh, but I remember I called you before you came out, and I said, Bud. I need you to buy me a box of cigars and bring them out with you. And that's exactly what you did. Uh, yeah. You brought me, actually, I think you raided your humidor. Yeah, which I just was beat up my humidor and brought and, you about and a box. And bought me like a, a box worth of cigars. But it was Random like, stuff. They were so expensive out there. I couldn't stand it. So, uh, anyway, thanks. And I, I hope I, I, did, I did ultimately. Oh, absolutely. Re, and that uh, was actually, so So between friends, that was actually such a fun trade. Because I just, I, I, you know, I brought you a whole bunch of cigars. I brought a box of cigars for you and then some extras to smoke while we were there. Um and uh, and when when we came back, you uh, just kind of started laying on you know four or five cigars at a time. But I got to try a whole bunch of different stuff Things that I wouldn't normally yeah. go by. Yeah. And Sometimes. so to me, it was I never knew what was coming up next. It was like, like this awesome like little grab bag that would happen every week or two. It's like you and me did our own big smoke. Is yeah, what it was. <laughs> it was just kind of. It was, cool. it was. I actually kind of yeah. enjoyed that. Speaking of kind of enjoyed, I, I took a sip of this uh, Wasatch Pumpkin Ale while you were talking. And uh, this is quite nice. It is very pumpkiny. This tastes like um, this tastes like a, a Marzen. Mm-hmm. They added pumpkin spice to. It. I didn't read anything on this. There's not a ton of information on there, but you might be able to get something. Brewed it's- with pure pumpkin and the finest barley. This amber-hued ale is uh, spiced like your favorite holiday pie, and is sure to please. Can we pour you a slice? Uh, so it's interesting because. When you think pumpkin seasonal beers, you always think of that sweet pumpkin pie. And that's not what this is. No, this is pumpkin flavored. Yeah. But again, I think we mentioned it, maybe it was last week or week before, we talked about pumpkin soup, if you've ever had Mm -hmm. it. Pumpkin, Mm -hmm. in and of itself, is not sweet. It's like cinnamon. Like, you always, when you think cinnamon, everyone always thinks, oh, it's sweet, because we always, almost always add sugar with cinnamon. Same thing with pumpkin. Right, right. It's like a cinnamon toast, almost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And pumpkin itself is not sweet, and this has that not so sweet pumpkin. There's a little of the pumpkin spice in there, but the but the sweetness in this is the natural uh, malty sweetness that happens in a beer. It's right. not. It doesn't taste like there's a bunch of sweetness added to it. So it, it's in kinda... fact, it, it's almost got a little bit of, I don't want to say sour, but a little bit of bitter to it. A little uh, bitter, yeah. That is a uh, that is kind of one of the strongest things on the finish. It's a pleasant bitter, but it's not. The, the only downside, and this is a very personal thing, uh, the only downside that I could say to this is the retrohale. When you breathe out of your nose, it, it, it kind of is like um, 
potpourri. <laughs> it's like being in Michael's, the, the store bit, of Michael's, yeah. <laughs> around that's, that's Halloween very, or Thanksgiving. The, rep, the, the retro ale is a little potpourri-like, but, uh, you know, overall, this is this is drinkable. This is nice. I, I think it's quite good. And, you know, we've had a number of different pumpkin beers uh, this year, and I guess we got, you know, like one or two more before Thanksgiving gets here. But uh, I thought it's interesting how different they have all I've been. I've got to hunt down the, um, oh, um <laughs> Oh, I have to look it up. Which brand was it that was so good that uh, we tried at the uh, Brew Club one night? I'll, I'll look it up. I, was I it the Pumpkinator? No, it was. Uh, um, uh, I'll, I'll think of it. Right, I'll right. think of it in a bit. But I've got to look that one up and bring it in and let you try it. All right, I'm. Uh, I'm game. I'm down with that. By the way, it, as we move our way into the holidays, and we'll do pumpkin beers through um, <coughs> through Thanksgiving, and then I guess we got to switch up to uh, winter and Christmas ales, huh? For mm. our for our ongoing uh, tasting. I don't know whether we should try to do a blind with that or whether we should you know, just taste one a week like we've been doing here with the pumpkin ales. We've done blind taste tests on quite a few things over the last few years. And, well, not not necessarily blind taste tests, but uh, we did, um, we've done shows where we have all the Christmas ales right, or all right. the pumpkin ales or all that. So maybe a blind taste test on Christmas ales would be, be fun. That might be kind of fun. That yeah, fun. that might be kind of fun. Christmas Christmas or winter, I think we could do that. Like, right. That way you can include winter warmers even if they don't and, You <laughs> know, winter Christmas seasonals a lot of times also tend to be uh, stouts, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, and they tend to have that sort of fruitcake spice vibe yeah, going Yeah, they have that fruitcake so, uh, so That could be up. interesting. Well, anyway, as we get into the holidays, I wanted to let everybody know about a contest that you may want to enter. Um, your Christmas tree this year could be the envy of all of your neighbors because Jameson Irish Whiskey is giving away seven of its legendary Jameson Whiskey trees. Now, here's the bad news. The bottles in the tree are not filled. But here's the good news. The tree is nine foot tall and features a lighting system that makes the 130 empty Jameson bottles light up brighter than any Yule log you'd ever see. Uh, It's a unique limited edition tree inspired by the spirit of John Jameson who went to extraordinary lengths to share his whiskey with the world. That's the, the press that's a awesome. statement. It's uh, got anyway. a lighting system that when you plug it in at your house and the neighbor's house all dim a little bit. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Hey, you know, if there were ever a year where we have a holiday season that needs a little bold, uh, uh, you know, a little bold happiness to it, uh, you know, get try to win this Jameson tree. Put it in your window. So uh, go to Jameson's website to enter. All you have to do is tell Jameson why your house needs the Jameson whiskey tree. Uh, I, I have I have the best reason. Yeah, because whiskey. Because whiskey, I like it. I wonder if that uh, that could win. Actually, <laughs> because you just whiskey. say just fill out the uh, form. Dear and enter, Jameson, type, because, because whiskey. whiskey. <laughs> I like it. I think that could work. All right, we're going to take a, a break and come back here in just a moment. We have uh, more beers to taste. As a matter of fact, we're going to go IPA next, which is you know not uncommon for us, but in this particular case, we're going IPA from. The Parish Brewing Company in Broussard, Louisiana. These guys I expect good things. These guys are the people that make what I think may be the greatest IPA ever, which is Ghost in the Machine. 
that it's beer is pretty so good. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see how they do with the Atticus Atlas, a triple IPA. That when we return, plus uh, drinking news is on the way. And um, oh, stop me if you heard this one before. That's the headline for drinking news today. So we'll be looking forward to that coming up. And uh, oh, we'll tell you about Hurricane Etta. Pretty good news actually for tobacco growers in Central America. So we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. My friends, it's smoking and toasting, and we are glad to have you with us for show number two hundred and eleven. Number two one one two eleven. Robbery in progress. Robbery in progress. We are brought to you by mycigarshirts.com online at that very web address because cigars, cigars. Yes, and uh, they've got they've just got great, great and kind of snarky cigar shirts. Uh, I think my favorite one uh, of the moment is the one that says, "I love cigars." You. Not, Not so, so much. much. Yeah, it's stuff like that. It's it, there. It's fun stuff. Great for the cigar lover in your family or your, uh, you know, your immediate circle. Oh, and uh, I, I thought of a cigar shirt, by the way. Oh, go for and it. I don't know if the cigar. Uh, shirts.com people are listening to this or not. I bet I could get word to them. But it just needs to have a picture of a cigar on the mm-hmm. front. Mm-hmm. And then down towards the bottom of the back, it just needs to say, "Are you looking at my butt?" <laughs> That's good. That's good. There is one there that says, "Cigar smokers appreciate a nice butt." There is one of those on the uh, uh, on the site. So, um, it, it's uh, a, there's a day I, I want you to write down on your calendar, if you would, please. It is Sunday, November 29th. Uh, that Sunday, is Sunday, November 29th. Yes, this is the second annual Small Brewer Sunday. And it's a national beer holiday created by the Brewers Association. It's for which is brewers the, that are only five foot four or yep, shorter. That's right? right. It's a not for profit trade organization dedicated to small and independent craft breweries. Oh, gotcha. So that's uh, different anyway, kind of yeah. small. So small brewery Sunday. Basically, it's just about getting out and supporting small breweries. Now, I watched a very interesting uh, documentary um, this last week. It's several years old, but it it was about uh, some guys in Colorado building their craft brewery and then they went to a bunch of different craft breweries around and talked about the and all of course pre-pandemic because several years old but it's just fascinating watching you know the process and what some of them have had to go through you know we kind of think yeah these guys were you know they were brewing in their garage or their basement and they uh decided hey this is pretty good let's let's open up and sell it but it's not that easy right there there, there's uh the whole process of having to turn a space into a functional brewery. I mean, ask our buddy uh, Lenny from St. Arnold when they moved into mm-hmm. that building they're in now. It took forever to get everything lined up and and the right uh, restrictions and permits taken the care red of. Tape. And, yeah, all the red tape. So anybody that launches a small brewery has gone through tons of bureaucracy, tons of red tape, and they just want to sell you some beer. Well, they can just you imagine? Make beer. Can you even imagine what guys like uh, Brock at St. Arnold? Had to go through opening a brewery where there wasn't right any. where there wouldn't like where there weren't any uh, craft breweries around right. to serve as the example. And yeah. he he literally um, was ahead of everybody in Houston doing that. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. thanks to guys like him and some other earlier pioneers, like there's opening some, a brewery, there's at least some precedents. Yeah, and the a, pathways have been blazed. Pathways a little bit. have been yep. blazed. Yes, yeah. they still, may not be easy. It's still a but lot at of least work. there's a path. It's still a lot of work though, and I just you know. Uh, most of these guys, they didn't get into it so much because they wanted to, you know, like 
build a business of some kind. They got into it because they wanted to to brew beer. Beer good. Yeah, right. They want to brew beer and share it with people. I like this beer. And, uh, I should share so it with people. Yeah, it, there's there's a passion there that runs through the industry that I think we'll see. So, Sunday the 29th, it's Small Brewers Day. That would be a great day for you, too, if you are... Um, you know, okay, doing it. Go out and visit a small brewery. If not, do a do a drive by and and you know pick up something to go from these small breweries. Because I'm going to tell you, they need your support this year more than ever. The smaller they are, the more they need the support. That we've had some really good sound effects today between yeah, you and Adam. That was a, that was spectacular. Parish Brewing. We got a good look at that can, right? It's a very interesting can with the uh, with the moth the on Mothman it. coming um, uh, into full view. This. There. That looks hazy. It is hazy. Yes. So this is a triple IPA from our uh, good friends, and we have got to get those people on the show. I absolutely love Parish, their beers. You know, they're not that far from Houston. They have to come here once in a while, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, and it would, be, uh, it would be such a pleasure for us to have these guys on because they are, uh, in my opinion, one of they're the best Broussard, breweries. They're in Broussard, Louisiana. One of the this best breweries the, uh, operating today. Yeah. This has a moth on it. That's wow! I'm getting Atticus Atlas. Is that the name of the moth? Probably. It must be Triple India Pale Ale. I mean, I'm assuming so. Bruce Bain can some help us out. Crazy cool names, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of good, and it's very simple. The rest of this is very simple. There's not a whole lot going on in this canvas. Has a big, beautiful but I love moth. the shininess of the uh, of the butterfly or the moth. There, it's uh, it's really cool, really done well. This is all about mango and pineapple on the nose. So I smell right off the bat some of that uh, kind of uh, um, resiny hops. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, then, it is a triple, right? And then you can smell the mango right away. Pineapple's kind of underlying once you set yep. it. Wow. So this is—it's got big bitter on the finish. Ooh wee! The, the front is. This doesn't taste anything fruity. like I expected. Not f- not from the nose, right? I expected this to be sweet. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a little sweet and obnoxious by the uh, smell of it. If you hold the um, if you hold the beer on your tongue in your mouth and and delay a moment before swallowing, you really get that pineapple. Once you swallow the the beer, the finish and the retrohale are this big sort of I don't know uh, like bitter bitter and pineapple wood or something. I, I I'm I'm trying to trying to really put my finger on it. But there's a big bitter there, and the thing is, it's not necessarily a resiny hop bitter. It's got a different, uh, it's got a different tone to it. Would you agree with that? It's 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 resiny, but it's not, it's not, uh, um, it's not over. It's not like a burnt resin bad aftertaste. It's a bitterness that uh, finishes. This is not a beer for the lighthearted. Definitely not. Like, if you, you like big, <clears throat> ridiculous IPAs, this is a beer for you. Can you check and see what the uh, ABV is on this? I'm guessing it's at least uh, eight. But I could be wrong. Uh, mm. I don't see it on here. You were right. This is not an IPA for the uh, for the faint of heart. It's it's definitely big yeah, it and have bold, an ABV and on it's there. a bit it's a bit boozy. It is a bit boozy. Um, we could maybe look that up or uh, hit uh, uh, <laughs> on Stark again. On Stark, yeah, yeah. What's the ABV on the Atticus on the Parish, uh, Atticus Atticus Atlas, Atlas uh, Triple um, IPA? 
That's awesome. We got Wiki Brian and we got On Stark. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, those between are, those the two of them, we have no excuses for getting anything wrong on the show. Um, uh, I so, really like this. I don't know if this is to your palate or not, but I well, like okay, this very so, much. So this is this is an interesting contrast to what I usually enjoy. But this has a lot of great things going for it. First off, the mouthfeel on this is very much a hazy. Or yes. even a juicy IPA mouthfeel. It's not super thick. It's uh, um, it's 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 juicy though. But uh, it also leaves the mouth wanting like more. It leaves your mouth watering like mm-hmm. for more. Uh, it is resinous and a little bit pine coney, but not really in a bad way. It actually works um, and finishes nicely like that. And it's bitter. This is not like a friendly. A uh, gentle like no. kiss of bitterness. This is no. bitter. Yeah, yeah. And, it's it's bitter in a big way. And yeah. and it also it's boozy enough. Like I can feel this. It's a, it's definitely a triple IPA. It's not. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's a bit boozy. But I like everything about this. Even though, even though on paper, if you write down everything I'm getting out of this, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like would. something I'd like. Yeah. This uh, this is a package that works, and uh, and the bitterness, especially after a few sips, as you can see, I've mowed through most of my glass. Mm-hmm. Um, the bitterness on this doesn't build up like like a lot of the resiny ones that uh, a lot of the West Coast real resiny ones. They build up, and after a while, you just like it's a labor to even take another sip because it's so bitter. This actually. <clears throat> feels like it gets a little less bitter the more you drink. What I love about this so much is that it it shows that the guys at Parish can make IPAs that are so different from each other. You know how occasionally you'll have a brewery that makes they're really really great with one style, but all of their styles seem like, you know, second cousins to the other. These guys are making IPAs that are wildly and vastly different from each other in terms of uh, of of style and that I don't know I just think that shows real skill as a brewer. Uh, I think these guys are the real deal. And uh and Parrish, if you were if you were listening, we want you on the show. We'll be calling. This would be uh I think an amazing thing to do a food pairing with. Mm, mm. With a very um bright uh fish. Yes. Something not terribly fishy but mm-hmm. fish. Yeah. Um but or, fish. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, like no, some, I know what you mean. Like some a, fish is real fishy. Yeah, but you, you're talking about not very fishy. Yeah, you're, you're talking about like a uh, you know like a uh, cod or some kind of white fish or yeah or something, something like that's that. just really mellow and and, and uh, because you could tailor like uh, like a lemon pepper ish mm-hmm. kind of thing to go with this so well. Mm. Um, I do. You this would go amazing. I do a um, I do salmon. And I, I I put salt and pepper on it, and then uh, and then I put a carpet of dill. And when I say a right. carpet, I mean you can't you see can, the fish. It is a carpet fish. of yeah. dill. Right, right. And then I slice lemons and just set it on there and put the whole thing on the grill, and it turns out amazing. I this bet. would be I bet absolutely fantastic with something like that. I was thinking initially that this wouldn't be a, a beer to pair with a cigar, but then I started thinking, you know. If you had something really earthy, a cigar that was really earthy, maybe it might pair up with this okay. Well, so uh, I'm going to also say this, too. Because this is so out to the left, bitter, and different, I think you could actually do a cigar like a, uh, like a really nice big Connecticut. Right. That's a very opposite. Of what this is. Of what yeah. this is. So something that has a lot of campfire, something that has a lot of... Uh, 
uh, like freshly mown grass and uh, and some earthy flavors in there would actually not get buried by this, not but complement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think well, that I think that you could you could literally go buy a, a um, uh, uh, like a nice big Perdomo tenth anniversary, and it mm-hmm. would probably be really nice with this as weird as that says this would also go really 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 well with a really nice uh rye whiskey Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. speaking of whiskey by the way we're gonna be trying some in our next uh segment great king street blended scotch whiskey and we'll be getting to our list of the most underrated whiskeys in the world so we'll do all of that when we come back you are checking out smoking and toasting and if you needed any proof that uh that this is a good ipa ian just poured himself more so Mm. uh Absolutely good. Love it. Uh, thank you to Parrish, and we'll be right back at Smoking and Toasting. Smoking and toasting. It's show number 211. It's a 211 in progress. And we are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Check them out today on the web. Shirts starting at under $20 because cigars. cigars. Yes. Uh, apparently, Wiki Brian uh, chimed in that the moth on the front of the Parish Brewing Atticus Atlas uh, can is, in fact, the Atticus Atlas moth. And it is the, the largest moth in the world. Is that right? Largest moth in the world. So yeah, that's pretty go. awesome. Pretty awesome. So um, every time the whiskey experts speak, our first question is always, "Did they reach Why? out to oh, our Chris, our whiskey expert, <laughs> Chris Hart?" Uh, but I don't know, and I don't know if the guys from Forbes did, but they have spoken, and they put together a list. They say, you know, we all know the the whiskeys that get talked about all the time as being the great ones, you know, the Pappy Van Winkles and the Whistle Pigs and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, the ones that get all this press, right? Uh, but they say there's there's some others that should be mentioned because they would fall into the list of the most underrated whiskeys. Yeah, well, here's the deal. You know what's better than whiskey that you can't get? What's that? Whiskey that you can get. You are correct, sir. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Sometimes you chase after that elusive whiskey, and then you finally track down a bottle, and you discover, well, it's good, but it's not really better than this one that I can get anytime well, I want it. And, and and to play the opposite of that, sometimes it is. But the truth is, if it's hard to get and you can't get it, the whiskey in my hand is always better than whiskey always better that I don't than have. You don't have, yes, absolutely. Well, that's. I guess that could be debated uh, depending on the the whiskey, but. Well, at least one, provided we're at least at this level of whiskey. At least one of the whiskey experts that they talked to uh, was a little reluctant to share his uh, his pick for most underrated whiskey because he was worried the same thing might happen to it. But they talked him into it. That's why you want to keep it yeah. secret, keep it safe. Yeah, that's they talked him into it. So now we will share it with you. It's the Glen Scotia um, single malt uh, Irish whiskey. Is it Irish? Let me yeah. make sure I've got this right. I've brought that uh, on the show before. Yes. it's. Uh, am I pronouncing it right? Is it Glen Scotia? Glen Scotia. Is that the way you say it? Uh, it says, if you're looking for a genuine example of unique regionality in scotch, 
that is the one to try. It's been overlooked in favor of uh, some others, uh, but it tastes like no other whiskey oh, yeah. I've tried. I've, uh, so. I've brought that on the show. That's okay. really good. It's really good. Uh, Nick Ridley, the uh, author of World of Whiskey, recommended that in this article. Uh, also, the 10-year single malt scotch whiskey for uh, a retail price of $34 a bottle from Spayburn. Uh, I, good. Yeah, and and this is this is the guy that says uh, um, he really didn't want to share this because uh, it's the crazed hoarders. You know, you can't find Weller or Heaven Hill Bonded Six or Old Granddad or Elijah Craig Redbreast or any of those. Uh, but he says he actually does think Spayburn Ten is underrated, but no one will ever believe that. That's Lou Bryson, who was the author of Whiskey Masterclass. So, I hear you. Uh, ooh. Again, well done on the sound effects. Um, the next one that are that is uh, listed here is uh, the Oppidan Smoke Plus C. Don't Oppidan, know anything Smoke about plus that. C. Very cool looking bottle. Uh, they call it a weird little whiskey, a bourbon finished in uh, uh, Scotch casks. So it's sort of sweet, sort of smoky, sort of saline. It doesn't fit neatly into any category. But it deserves more love. Karen Newman, the author of Cocktails with a Twist, says it would make a wild penicillin. Uh, that sounds like a, that sounds like a fun <laughs> thing to try. Penicillin mm -hmm. sounds like a one thing, a fun thing to try. Akashi White Oak. It's a forty-seven dollar bottle. It is a Japanese whiskey that is underrated, and it's hard to even imagine that because most of the Japanese whiskeys, I don't want to say they're overrated, but they're they're rated so well that. You know they're hard to find and they're expensive if you do. I think uh, Japanese culture is so precise about how they do things, and and there's so much mm -hmm. uh, pride in what they make. Right, there's a precision that yes. goes with all of that. Yes. You're absolutely right. Um, the Belmead Sherry Cask Finished Bourbon uh, makes the list. Yes, uh, it is an eighty-six dollar uh, retail price. Uh, Belmead doesn't get as much attention as so many whiskey brands out there, but the distillery is producing incredible juice. Cat uh, O'Dell, the author of Day Drinking, says uh, she's partial to the sherry barrel expression because I love spirits with nutty umami notes, and that's how it's described. So, uh, Also on the list, the Old Forester 1920 Prohibition-style bourbon. Uh, it's um, a $60 I brought that bottle. on the show. Yes, it's yeah. a $60 bottle. Uh, it's um, <laughs> Old Forester 1920, this says, is, for lack of a better word, a shelf turd, meaning that it's always in your liquor store, always on the shelf. It's the opposite of a Chris Hart whiskey. That's right. It's all. It's not only can you find it, you can always find it, and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a non Chris Hart uh, product. Uh, it is also a Brown Foreman product. The same guys that make Jack Daniels, which means that most self described whiskey snobs think they're too good for it. But uh, those people care about hype and not quality, says the author of Hacking Whiskey, Aaron Goldfarb. Um, he says, uh, damn if it's not one of the richest, most nuanced and complex and downright delicious bourbons out there. Absolutely better than many of the allocated products you'll never see on the shelves. Uh, Glen Goyne, 18-year uh, single malt scotch, sells for 160 bucks. It is on the list, as is... You say 18-year on that one? Uh, it's 18-year. 18, 18 yeah, I haven't tried the 18-year. Uh, yep, it sells for $160, so it's not a cheap one. But then we come to the $60 bottle of Compass Box, Great King Street Blended Scotch Whiskey. They say never underestimate the value of a good scotch blend. This one ticks off all the boxes. It sips elegantly neat, tastes great in a highball, and plays well with juices and other cocktail modifiers. And that is Amanda Schuster, author of New York Cocktails. We are trying it neat in your thoughts. It's delicious. Yeah? It's honey. 
It's oh, a lot it's of honey. really wonderful on the nose. A this lot of vanilla. It's um, yeah. It's way too easy to drink. Now this is a small bottle. This yes, is it a three seventy five mil. Mm -hmm. Is that right. the sixty dollars? Yeah, the sixty dollars is the big one. The, oh, well, okay. Well, the seven hundred fifty, the regular size. The seven fifty. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. This one. This one I think was about twenty five bucks. Okay. At so. twenty five bucks, even uh, at the three uh, three seventy five mil um, or three fifty mil or whatever it is, three seventy five mil. This is delicious. You know, it really is. And and we've had a number the of oak finish on this. Yes. And and you gotta wait a minute for it, but the oak yeah. finish comes back with a little astringency and that and a little whiskey hug. It's just a very gentle little whiskey hug. Um but there's almost none of the whiskey like there's no there's no uh heat to this on the first sip on at the, all. On the front, no, there's not. But it definitely does come back in the whiskey hug, it's not huge, but it does come back in the whiskey hug. But Ian, this this to me really could stand toe to toe with a lot more expensive Scotch single malt scotches. It's surprisingly in terms of flavor. In terms of flavor, surprisingly delicate too. Yes, it it actually reminds me of several of the much pricier single malts that have that have undergone uh, some pretty heavy duty oak aging. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Um I really really am enjoying this. This is a great sipper. It's got some complexity. There's a little apple peel in there, mm -hmm. like green apple peel in there. Especially after the finish. There's, um and in a great way. There's a little bit of almost an apricot kind of back there. There's some fruitiness going on in here that I wasn't expecting at first, and after a couple sips, you start picking them up. And you mentioned the, honey. Honey's honey. kind of the There's first a lot thing of honey that you get. There's and a, a bit lot of vanilla. Of and yep. That, yep. that oak, I love. Like, I love... It's a delicate oak, though. It's I not love like that, that oak aftertaste that's happening, and you got to wait a couple moments yes. It's not like a really done. dark oak. Like, you know, some, uh, some whiskeys, the, the oak flavoring is... You know, m much darker, deeper. This is very light and very, um, I don't know. Almost a brighter kind of flavor. Bright yeah, is, yeah. A, is the word I think I was looking for, yeah. Uh, but this it's delicious. smells. Yeah. Oh, it smells amazing. Great. It smells great. It's great on the nose and great on the tongue. And then there's a There's the a maltiness is, to the smell that doesn't quite cut across in the, in the flavor of it, but it smells so good. I feel like this would pair easily with cigars. Mm. Uh, that you could go this would almost, be super easy to pair with cigars. Yeah. However, not anything too big, not too right. peppery. Right. Um, but also this with a cheese and fruit tray. Ooh, baby. I mm -hmm. mean, a nice uh, charcuterie tray. Mm -hmm. This would be just an amazing sipper with something. I'm like thinking that. we need to maybe think about changing the name of this show to "Smoking and Toasting and Eating." <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? I think I would like that. Smoking um, and toasting and munching. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is quite good. Quite good. I, I have to say, I'm 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 very pleased with it. Very pleased with it. Uh, Amanda Schuster, the author of New York Cocktails, is the one who put this on this list. And this is a Forbes magazine list, by the way, that I'm looking at. Uh, to round out the list, Evan Williams' Black Label at $14 makes the list. Everything that bourbon is supposed to be, says John McCarthy and Carrie Jones, the co-authors of Be Your Own Bartender. It's 86 proof. It's got a little spice to it and still has that rounded bourbon feel. And here's the secret, they say. Bourbon's not supposed to be expensive, dude. It's bourbon. Yeah. Great neat on the rocks or as a shot and a workhorse in cocktails. Um, and a 75, a 750 milliliter bottle will set you back 
around 15 bucks. Now, if you want to spend a little more money, uh, I do recommend this next one. By a little more, I mean, you know, in the neighborhood of $69, $70. The Balvenie Doublewood oh. 12 year. Oh, oh, so good. So I, uh, I got. Um, I got out to my uh, brother-in-law, Mike's, Mike and Jen's, um, last year at some point. We were all getting together for like a family get-together. And um, I went to, I, I remember I brought some beers and stuff, and I went to his uh, his bar, and he had a bottle of this 12-year Doublewood. And it hadn't been opened. I said, oh, man, I don't want to open your bottle. He goes, oh, no. He goes, I don't really drink whiskey, so help yourself. I, I prefer other stuff. So mm-hmm. I basically have been drinking. It, it's now gone because I've been back a few times. But <laughs> but I've basically taken down his bottle of Doublewood, and I'm going to tell you, it's just spectacular for for whiskey to just sit there and sort of sip slowly all evening. So uh, I have a funny uh, Balvenie Doublewood story. It starts off with uh, I like Scotch, um, <laughs> as most stories that I tell do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not every story. <laughs> no, because some, some of your stories are I like bourbon. Uh, yeah, so you know, so and, that and sometimes that. I like beer. Yeah, right. but um, but no, this, <laughs> this one starts off with I like scotch, and uh, you know, I, I teach guitar. Uh, so one of my students, he's an adult, and um, we got to talking about beers and scotch and stuff like that. And for Christmas one year, he comes in and he hands me a gift thing, and it's a Balvenie Doublewood, the twelve oh, Doublewood. Nice. I was like, oh, I hadn't tried this. So I try it, and it's so good. And I annihilate that bottle in, you know, a couple months. I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Right. You'd take I it all down. Sit, yeah. yeah, but but I, I tried to nurse it out, but it was so good. And I didn't pay attention. Uh, and then I tried a few years later to grab another bottle of it. And mm-hmm. I saw a Balvenie Doublewood, and I grabbed a bottle. And I get up to the cash register, and it's like 140 bucks, And I was Ooh. like. Whoa! And I realized I grabbed the fourteen. Oh, instead of the twelve. Yeah. Instead of the twelve. But I was like, uh, "Okay, we'll just go ahead and do that." <laughs> so, in your opinion, so that was the first ta- time I tried the fourteen. So you're talking about a price that's substantially more than the almost twelve. Almost double. Almost Not double. Quite double, but almost. Was double. it worth it? It's so good. I mean, yeah. the fourteen double wood is so good. The twelve double wood is so good. It's hard. Like to be honest with you, maybe. Uh, maybe it's worth the difference in price, but I enjoy both of them so much. Yeah, yeah. And and after tasting it, and especially a few times, I didn't complain about the price. Yeah. So maybe that's something. It's kind of like it's kind of like with the um, uh, with the Florida Kanye eighteen. It's like you know the the twenty five is just sublime. And you think, okay, the 18 is going to be a, a, a little step back. And it is, but it's still so but good. But still so good. That yeah, you're yeah. like, okay, this is worth every penny for it, you know? Yeah. And so, but but then the then it starts to come along. Like the, the, the Balvenie 12 year double wood is so good on its own. And if you're going to spend that 140, 150 bucks, you can go in there and you can buy the 12 year old. Mm-hmm. And you could go buy Glenn Morangi La Santa. Oh, God, that's so good. Which, by the way, I was at Specs the other day is like forty five dollars. I know it's very That's reasonable. Less than it used to be. It's very reasonable. Yes. And they have new packaging and everything, and it's so good. Like you could actually buy um, three great whiskeys or four if you're looking to less. You know, people ask me, you know, because I have the 
the show that talks about spirits and all that stuff, they asked me if I'm a, a whiskey snob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm the more whiskey I taste, the less snobbish I get because you will find uh, Weller 12 on my shelf mm-hmm. all the time. That's $18 a bottle. Well, that's and that's it kind good? of what, it's yeah. amazing. And that's kind of yeah. what they were talking about with the uh, Williams. It was like, okay, right. don't, don't be a whiskey snob because it's good. Yeah, you know? you'll find uh, uh, Wild Turkey. Mm-hmm. Man, I used to not like Wild Turkey, but that's because I didn't know how to drink it when we were kids. We drink it as shots. Almost everything sucks as a shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know that's just the truth. You know, but listen. if you're sipping it, it's totally different. Listen, Slain. Unless it's Jim Beam. Then Slain, it's Ir- yeah. Slain Irish whiskey Slain at twenty three dollars a yeah, bottle. That's great. Holy crap, it's good. Jameson. Jameson, yeah, Jameson. is fine, man. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. That Castmate series that they came out with yeah. is outstanding. Like, well, I'll tell you, there's nothing wrong stuff. with the Green Street, uh, with the Great King Street, rather. Either this is uh, this is very very tasty. Here's whiskey. a testament to how good this whiskey is. It's got us just sitting here talking about awesome whiskey at a good price. Mm-hmm. Like that's how good this whiskey is. Rather than saying. Yeah, this is okay, and then kind of changing up, talk yeah, about something else. It smells so It's good. got us going on the whiskey topic here, which is uh, which is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of the one of the. I'm interested to see what the. Uh, uh, hey. to see what the uh, the beer does if what you go are you back doing to it. In there? Uh, you get a little friend. Yeah. Little little protein. <laughs> I don't think he drank much. Um, well, it, it, at least he went out in a in a fun and positive way. Mm. Man. So the whiskey completely washes out the beer. As well, a matter of fact, right. it takes so much of the bitter out of the beer. I was just about to say, now I've got just this juicy IPA yeah. without without all that bitter. <laughs> That's so so interesting. Well, it's always interesting to tell how things uh, work with each other. All right, when we come back, drinking news is on the way. Plus, we will uh, get to the bottom of... Well, we'll get to the bottom of probably several bottles of several things. But uh, we're going to be trying this wonderful uh, Mexican coffee cake beer. I say wonderful. I haven't tried it. But I have a feeling it's going to be wonderful. And I'll be surprised if it's not. It is going to be a, um, um, a re- well, yes, please. I see you. Uh, uh, do, I, do I look crazy? Yes, please. Uh, more of that. Yeah, this Thank is you. outstanding. Thank you Adam, much. how do you feel about this whiskey? Double thumbs, thumbs up. up. Double thumbs up. So Westbrook Brewing Company is what I was trying to get to. Their Mexican Coffee Cake Imperial Stout will be coming up, plus drinking news, plus I promise you that hurricane report, so a lot left to do. You are checking out, smoking and toasting. In a little bit, it'll be time for drinking news. You know, some week shows are just fun to do. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting, uh, show number 211. It's a 211 in progress. My name is Cruz. My uh, erstwhile co-host is Ian Barry. We have Adam crazy. on the wheels of steel, and we have uh, uh, a sponsor, uh, MyCigarShirts.com. They have uh, very cool uh, shirts for cigar lovers and cigar hoodies. aficionados. And hoodies. They have a really cool hoodie. In fact, I'm going to order one of those this you week. You know, uh, I, I never used to wear hoodies when yeah. I had long hair. Yeah, because your long hair would get bunched up in the back of the... Yeah, it, it was kind of an annoying thing to have when you have uh, really long hair. And then on top of that, my neck just didn't get cold because I had long hair covering Right, it. so you didn't have to worry about that. And then yeah. I got my hair cut short, and I, I love hoodies yeah. now. Oh, yeah, keeping that neck warm, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> deal. I can't stand... You know what You know what else like they have? Like cold air right on the back of my neck now. You know what else they have at MyCigarShirts.com? They've got a really cool face mask, and it says, As soon as I take this off, I'm having a cigar. 
I, I'm, def- I'm going to order that in a hoodie this week, I think. Um, yeah, I think I'm right uh, there with you, yeah, actually. It, it's almost hoodie time. We're still really warm here in Houston, Texas, our home city. But uh, you know the cold is coming. Yeah, you know, I, I actually wore a flannel shirt last night oh, when I was sitting really? outside yeah, having a cigar. See? Yeah, it's Because it was a little below 70, and I was like, you know <clears> what? A flannel shirt just feels good. You know where it's still warm? Florida. Florida. That's a hint. You got to tell me about it? Yeah, I'm going to tell you all about it. It's time for Drinking News. Drinking News. Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News. Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. So gather a cup while we gather round. Saddle up while we drink them now. I've got a story. I swear it's true. Mm -hmm. Now it's time. For drinking news, drinking news, now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. I asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news, now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. I'll just mention, by the way, we've decided we want guests to uh, to do that line. So record yourself. You can just do it on your phone and send us the file saying, I had to take my gator to the vet. I had vet. to take my gator to the vet. And send it to us. We we're want, just going to insert it into the song. We're just going to insert it into the song every time. We want, we want, it, we want so many different people to do this <laughs> that we have a, a, a whole stack of them, a whole inventory uh, that we can use. Speaking of which, you remember uh, Chris Morris, who's on the show just, uh, yes, just yes. recently. Right, I, yeah. So I texted him. I love him. that dude. He also plays guitar. Um, mm-hmm. And I texted him because uh, he, he sent me a text a while back saying that he was almost finished with his drinking news song. Oh. And I said, okay. But I hadn't heard from him in a while. So I texted him today right before the show, and he texted me back and said he uh, uh, suffered a grievous injury to his thumb oh, not on good. his fretting hand. So he hasn't been able to. But the song's also, ready. Also not good for a bartender, no, by the way. You know? Not good at all. A so mixologist like he is. viciously cutting a lime or something. <laughs> I'll have to actually catch up with him. It was a, it was a margarita shaking in. <laughs> oh man uh but yeah so whatever happened uh uh we will have a drinking news song for chris morris at some point in time right. in the future also um my father-in-law is in the throes of writing a uh christmas or christmas a, a drinking news a song. drinking news song wow. yes he's working on it. i'm helping him with it he's a so fledgling is, guitarist at the this moment it's becoming a thing then it's yes it's infecting uh, people uh, i know it's like it's alive <laughs> uh, well ian <laughs> drinking news is here uh and the t- the headline the title stop me if you've heard this one before ready i'm about to utter those immortal words a florida man from Indian County, Florida, was arrested for DUI. Police pulled a man named Earl over after seeing him driving suspiciously, but Earl insisted to the cops that he was innocent. (laughs) Why, you ask? Why? The Florida man said, because he only drank at stop signs. (laughs) You see... When, he's not drinking while he's driving. When of police course. pulled Earl the Florida man over, he admitted that he'd been, you know, that he'd had a couple pulls of Jim Beam. But he said it wasn't drunk driving since he only drank it at traffic lights and stop signs. Hey, you cannot peck that logic. It's very impeccable. 
His breathalyzer showed that Earl's blood alcohol level was uh, <clears throat> twice the legal limit for Florida. So police loaded him into the car and took him to jail, and off he went. He had two previous DUIs in Missouri. <laughs> no, uh, in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no indication of whether or not he used a similar defense in those cases. But, uh, but yeah. So just in case you were thinking of trying that one, drinking and driving. Uh, the defense I only drank at stoplights and and stop now, signs. Now, wasn't our last week's work. show about a person from Missouri? Yeah, I believe it was. So, <laughs> so we're so we're, we're so we we're might just a, be following this person a trend around <laughs> that's developing here. Uh, and there's your drinking news. Thank you so much, ladies drinking and gentlemen. News, drinking news, and now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, Cheers y'all. y'all. <laughs> uh, that's so much fun to do. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Drinking news is always in the final segment of the uh, program, so it's a good it's a good reason for you to stay tuned. All right, Ian, uh, juggle so, or something, entertain folks while I dive I, I, I down can into, I can uh, air bottle. juggle. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm like a clown. <laughs> so the drinking news song. We'll be having new verses coming up at least once a month, starting this next month. I have one in the works. I will be working upon. Yeah, well, I'm glad more you, and more verse, and I also will take submissions. But I'm but, glad you had the Florida man verse today, though, since we had a Florida man yes, story. Yes, I have one that I I started. I think I, I I started a little bit last week where I'm talking about a guy in his uh, motorized cooler driving on the freeway. <laughs> That's going to be one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you guys have suggestions or uh, for a verse. For a verse, yes, yes. Please oh. let me know. Mm, very cool. Well, as Ian goes, I need to write one about the guy that has a penis on his arm. Well, that was that was probably our most outrageous drinking news story <laughs> so far. The man who is <laughs> still laugh thinking growing about that. the penis on his arm. Uh, I laugh about uh, the fact that the next week, I remember getting started. I was starting to get texted by our buddy Alan Denny, who runs the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge, and uh, apparently you had gone down there and you guys had the. YouTube version of the show up on the video screen, yes. and we're uh, playing that segment with the drinking news about the guy with the penis on his arm, and uh, the entire place was just going absolutely. The nuts. place was going crazy, and there was a, there was a couple ladies that were there, and they were cracking up watching this, and they were like, "Who are these people? Like these people are crazy, and they're cracking up and stuff like that." And Alan just looks over and he goes. It's him. <laughs> and they looked over at me, and they looked at the TV. They're like, really? I was like, I don't look that different, right? <laughs> uh, Hurricane Eta made landfall on the coast of uh, the east coast of Nicaragua on uh, November 3rd as a Category 4 hurricane. We talked about this on the show. We were actually quite worried about it. Yes. But as it turned out, it weakened, weakened to a tropical storm uh, the next day as it passed over the country's growing regions. And by the time it made its way to Honduras, it was downgraded to a tropical depression. The storm's biggest impact came from its heavy rains uh, and the official reports have the death toll in Honduras at 57. Uh, For Nicaragua the death toll is much less at 2. But for the cigar industry specifically it's still quite early in the growing season so some fields had not been fully planted uh, with tobacco in some cases not at all and the damage to the crops according to uh, Nestor Placencia uh, has been minimal since the rain had been constant but not not much he says we're estimating about 4% damage to what they had planted to date uh, 3% in Honduras and 1% in Nicaragua Oliva was also counting themselves lucky in the wake of the storm in Jalapa they said we had more rain and wind but fortunately not too much damage to our fields 
uh, Eduardo Fernandez, who's growing about uh, 1,400 acres of tobacco in Nicaragua this year at his uh, agricultural conglomerate, Aganorsa, uh, shared the sentiments and said, basically, uh, we got kind of lucky. Christian Arroyo uh, from CLE said he and his family plan to grow anywhere from 200 to 300 acres of mostly Corojo seed tobacco in the valley this year, but it uh, only caused them a one or two week delay in terms of transporting the, the seeds. So, uh, so really, it feels like uh, the Central American uh, tobacco growing companies dodged a, a bullet, as it were. They did take on some flooding and hardships, but uh, we aren't talking about massive crop wipeouts, which is a good thing for those of us who smoke uh, cigars from that region. Ian, I see you. I see you eyeing that bottle. You've got your glasses on. You look very serious, as if study is warranted. Tell me about what you're seeing and what you're tasting. So this is Westbrook, Westbrook Brewing Company mm-hmm. Mexican coffee cake. And that's what it smells like on the nose, I can tell you that. This is um, nothing short of amazing. Mm. Like, this really? is outstanding. Okay, so tell me what it is. Now I've just Imperial tasted it, and stout. I agree, but I want to know what it is. Your what it is that sends you to that kind of superlative? Let's just read a little bit of this first. Imperial Stop Brew was chilies, uh, cinnamon, vanilla, cocoa nibs, and coffee added. Ten point five percent by volume. Way back in December twenty eleven, we brewed our first anniversary beer, a serious Imperial Stout, aged on cocoa nibs. Vanilla beans, cinnamon, and fresh habanero peppers. I can taste all of that in this, by the way. It was so delicious, we decided to infuse this version with coffee and bring it back once each year. Um, Best consumed fresh or cellar at 36 to 40 degrees. And bottled on 7720, so this is a pretty fresh bottle. Yeah. Uh, And and this is outstanding. So uh, let me tell you what I think about this. First off, it smells amazing. Mm-hmm. It's got a great nose to it. It does. It's a lot smells, of coffee on the nose. I love the uh, mouthfeel to this. It's not a super thick mouthfeel, and nope, it's also it's very little carbonation overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's there is just right for the. Uh, <clears throat> Gives it just the, the right song. amount of. Uh, the chilies. I'm not a big fan of beers that are real spicy. I agree with you completely. I'm just not. Uh, I don't like the spicy that's just stuck in the back of the throat. Like, right. I love spicy food. I'm the same way. But Ian. I like my drinks not to be spicy. Yes, I usually like the drinks to wash down the spicy food. Yes. That's the combination exactly. I like. Exactly. There are exceptions to this. Well, um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty stringent. I don't, I, if it's got jalapeno in the... Liquid, I'm probably not going to drink it, but if you put jalapeno on my food, I'm super I'm happy. I'm going to eat it, yes. Right. Well, this feels so much more balanced to me, though. This, the chilies are there. You can taste them. Mm-hmm. You, you have that chili <clears> flavor, <throat> but the chili heat is not there. Right. <clears throat> and so you There's get the a tiny flavors. bit of a tang, so you get the flavor, but not the heat. But you don't have a lingering <clears throat> heat in the back of your throat that you can't get rid of mm-hmm. because you're drinking to try and get rid of the heat in the back so, of your throat. But right. so it the reminds drink me, is what's putting it there in the first place. You know, I'm always bagging on that Dos Equis, uh, Mexican pale ale, but that's <laughs> what it does. It leaves that... That pepper taste in your mouth, and it just and you can't get rid of it because you're right. drinking a beer that has it in. It. And, and and the reason I don't like it is it obliterates all the other flavor. I like the pepper flavor, but I don't want and it to knock everything it, out. And sometimes it builds up. Now there are exceptions mm-hmm. to the rule. Okay, <clears throat> right, right. Um, there are like uh, Eureka Heights makes Mu Caliente, it's which good. is spicy and it's nice. But it's frankly, not something I would drink every day. Yeah, it's not something but I, I enjoy drink it when of, I have but, it. Yes. They also take that Mucaliente and they'll barrel age it. Mm-hmm. And that 
kills a lot of the heat that comes from the, and that is amazing. That's yes, delicious. I agree. This right here has that same property uh -huh. of it's just uh, it just doesn't leave a, uh, a hot spicy in the back of the throat, but you taste it on the. You palate. know, there's spice there. Um, yes. The uh, cinnamon is definitely there. The vanilla cocoa nibs. I mean, this tastes like, like, uh, like almost like a. I mean, it tastes exactly Mexican coffee cake. I mean, it's like a. Uh, it's well described, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's so good. The coffee in this is so good too, because the coffee's not such a, a slap in the face bitter coffee. Mm -hmm. um, the vanilla beans, the cocoa. I mean, everything's so good in here. Mm -hmm. um, I would highly recommend this if you can find this. Well, apparently they do this every year, which is pretty exciting. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah, that's and that's the finish really, really on good. it. The finish on it is. <clears throat> Coffee, it it feels and like chocolate. A, it feels like a perfect beer for easing into the winter, doesn't it? It's coffee and chocolate without being too sweet or too coffee. It's mm -hmm. it's like this amazing balance. It is yeah, Westbrook. Good it job. is really complex. All of those flavors that you described, you can taste every single one of them distinctly. I always talk about this with people who are audiophiles. It's like you know when you're listening to a really great stereo system, when you hear the guitar right here. And uh, the violin right here and the piano right here, they're distinct and separate from yes. each other instead of being all just in a big mash together. And that's kind of how I describe the flavors of this beer. They're distinct well, and separate from yes. each other. They work well together. And this but is you like, can taste them distinctly in each an one individually. Context, it's like the difference between looking at a picture of a fine a piece of fine art and, and looking, standing yeah. in front yes, of the actual yes. piece. Yes, Very well it's said. It's a big difference. And, Very well and, said. And, uh, and even though you can have an amazing print of something, mm -hmm. so I'd say this right here is the... That's the original piece. Yeah, that's the original is, mofo right is, there. This is so good, and yeah. it's the depth of character, and this is amazing. Depth of character. Well, this seems like a good place to begin to wrap up the show. We want to thank all of you for uh, coming in and checking out uh, Smoking and Toasting, and thanks to uh, Adam, our producer on the Wheels of Steel, as always, uh, for making things run. Um, Ian, we we did pretty well today. We had a good pumpkin ale. We had an IPA with a uh, moth on it that was just really bizarrely really, good IPA. Really, really spectacular. Uh, we both really enjoyed the uh, the whiskey. Maybe we like too much stuff. <laughs> uh, those guys that accuse Do us I of need... liking everything, this show is not going to help our case. Yeah, it really. Do I need to be so. like that guy on uh, America's Got Talent where I just like where you hate everything, uh, hate everything? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, Simon, that's his name. Yeah, but but you know, of course, and of course, that's the big thing on that show is because he hates everything. Then if he likes you, it's like a big big uh, deal. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, he likes me. Uh, he really I, likes. I, me. I I don't want to be that guy because I like all of this, and it's really uh, really tremendous. Everything we've had today has been a big thumbs up. So okay, uh, taking a look ahead for smoking and toasting, we are going to be here uh, next week, and then we will have a week off for Thanksgiving. And then we'll be back with you starting in December. So it's really weird to think about talking about December and the holidays and Christmas Already. time. But we will be turning our attention very shortly to Christmas beers and ales. I think we do want to do a blind taste test this year. Okay. That'll be that'll be fun. Christmas so we'll, ales. We have that plan. Christmas ales and winter uh, winter, winter ales. Winter yep. Uh, yep. basically winter seasonals. Yeah, winter will seasonals. All that. Uh, it'll be it'll be awesome and exciting. And uh, I'm just you know I'm I'm looking forward to 
being able to wrap this year up for smoking and toasting. It's been a good one. We hit we hit two hundred this year, uh, and even though the pandemic made things halfway weird, to three hundred, we're halfway to three hundred, and pretty excited about it. Uh, thanks to everybody for checking us out, and uh, oh yeah, don't forget. Uh, uh, Christian Olave is going to be on the show soon, uh, and he'll be talking excited. about. Uh, yeah, he'll be talking about. I think he wants to talk about Jura. So, uh, nice. really psyched about that. So, um, have a great week, my friends. Thank you for tuning in and for checking us out in the podcast. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, and uh, thank you for supporting Smoking and Toasting and our sponsor, MyCigarShirts.com. Have a great week, and uh, as we love to say here at the end of the show, and in the middle and the beginning of the show. Cheers, y'all. Yeah. Yeah.